Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's try? Is your current idea of self-care closing the door when you pee? If the only chance you have for exercise is the squats you do when you pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne. And I'm Jess. And this is Mama Mama Bites. Hi, Mamas. Thanks for tuning in to our interview with Dr. Cheryl Ziegler, a therapist out of Colorado where she has a practice treating children, families, couples, and individuals. We loved talking to her and we're so excited to speak with the author of Mommy Burnout. Maybe you've seen the Mommy Burnout book as you've been chasing your child past the children's section in Barnes & Noble, Um, but we found this book really wonderful and a great resource and found talking to her even better than that. So we hope you uh, tune in, check out the show notes, and have a lot of fun in yet another great conversation. Thank you, Dr. Ziegler, for coming on the Mama Bites podcast, making time for us. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm so happy to be on. Wonderful, <laughs> thank you. Um, we were really excited to have you on, and um, since we, since I saw your book and uh, knew that I really wanted to have you on the podcast, and had been reading the book around the house. Um, the the book, if our listeners haven't gotten it yet, um, is this bright beautiful yellow uh, book with a broken crayon on the front, (laughs) which has um, attracted a lot of attention in my house. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old and uh, they ask about the book a lot. And then um, my six-year-old can read and she was saying, mommy burnout, what does that mean? And so I was really early into the book and I said, well, I think it's like when, you know, sometimes when people are struggling to take good care of themselves, you know, and sometimes when when that's that's not happening, we we act out in different ways and, you know, ways that even even grown-ups don't mean to. And she said, she kind of looked at me for a second and she said, "You mean that time that you got really frustrated with us and you slammed down the umbrella and then the <laughs> the picture fell off the mantle and all the glass broke. Is that the time? (laughs) 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 And I said, yes, I think you're getting it. (laughs) That is hysterical. Oh my God. Yeah. My kids, can you imagine for me? It's like, they're always like, Oh yeah. My mom, she wrote this book. Mommy burnout is about like how moms are so stressed out. (laughs) 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 Yes. I try to, um, explain it in a kid way but your kid really got it she, i love it she totally got it yeah she's <laughs> for better or for worse she she really nails those things right on the head yeah she's <laughs> quite intuitive <laughs> yeah so like so on that note what what how would you define mommy burnout and uh like how did you start noticing this sort of like in your own work <clears throat> yeah so um, I'll start with how I noticed it in my own work because it just is like this progression over the last, honestly, 10 years. But um, I started, you know, I have a, really have a, I have a child and family therapy center practice. And so oftentimes parents will come in for their kids. They'll, so they'll call from anything from we're having sleep problems, potty training problems, all the way through, you know, adolescence kind of problems. So they would come in and usually the first time I'll see parents and most of the time not all the time but most of the time it's it's moms that come in Mm -hmm. and so what started happening was we would get talking and then by 
almost the end of the session, they would look at me and say, maybe it's me that needs to come in, (laughs) you know? And so we would just sort of laugh and then they would just say very, very common things over and over. I would hear like, I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I can never get enough sleep. All I do is run around. And they would ask questions like, is this it? Like, Mm -hmm. is this what I've been waiting for? Mm -hmm. And sometimes they meant it about parenting. Sometimes they also meant it about their marriages. Like, it was just like, is this what I've, like, this is like the epitome of what I'm, am I supposed to be happy? You know, I'm not. And so it was just, it started to use one and two and three and four. And then when I just really started after a couple of years seeing the pattern, I just thought to myself, if every mom knew, you know, if like my three o'clock knew that my four o'clock felt that right. way. Uh, yes, yes. Like the world would be so much better. And sometimes like they'd be passing each other. Yeah. Like one would be coming, <laughs> one would be going, they'd be like, oh, I wish you guys were friends. Yes. Like I wish you yeah. knew this about each other. So it felt like a secret. And remember when I was observing these things, that was like a decade, you know, nine years ago. Wow. And so... It wasn't like podcasts and blogging was so big and mm-hmm. that there was such open forums the way there, there are today mm-hmm. to talk about a lot of these things. And I think the things that were out there, and, and a lot of times really even still, are very humorous. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of joking, there's a lot of funny memes, and we need that. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to uncover something in a way that was easy to digest, but had some science behind it and wasn't all about just like, ha ha, this is funny mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. my message actually is it's really not funny, mm-hmm. you know, where we're at. So that's how I, I saw the progression. And then I also personally experienced it when I had my second child. Mm-hmm. And I, I really had this feeling when I had my second at times, like I was drowning. Yes. Like it was an actual... Yes like coming up for breath, not, not a panic attack, just Mm -hmm. a, just a feeling over me. Like I can't get my head above water. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, you know, I had a two year old and so, and I had a newborn. And then after I think with him, I took how long my, my terminate, my maternity leave was maybe, I think it was like 11 weeks long. No, maybe that was the first one. Maybe it was like nine weeks long. They got shorter and shorter because I wanted to go back to work. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, I want to go back to work. And so, um, but the the second one, I was just like, oh, I felt, I was like, I know what they're talking about now. You know, like, Mm, I get this now. Um, I really genuinely experienced it. So that was, that's like been my, my journey into just, it was just an observation and then, you know, the observation became so big and then I personally experienced it. And then I started researching it and was like, I want to write a book on this. Like people need to know. I felt like I was carrying a secret. I think Mm -hmm. I wrote that in my introduction. Like I was carrying a secret and I literally needed to offload it because I didn't want to keep it anymore. That's, you know, how it felt. Um, and then the way I came to talk to calling it mommy burnout, it didn't start that way. It started with, I had this very bland title of modern day motherhood. that's what I called it often. Like when I'd be like, yeah, I'm writing this book, modern day motherhood. Mm -hmm. People would be like, oh, okay. You know, like "Mm, that's going to be interesting. And then when I got an agent, she's like, you need to name this problem. Mm -hmm. She's like, this isn't, this isn't the title. (laughs) (laughs) As agents do. So she's like, yeah, name it. And I was like, but it doesn't have a name. And she's like, you got to find a name. And so I really then went on that little journey and it was so interesting because throughout that journey, I came across Betty for Dan's 
the feminist mm-hmm. theme. Old school. Mm-hmm. Love old it. Old school. Mm-hmm. And then chapter one of that book, the title of chapter one is The Problem That Has No Name. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And I just devoured it. I must mm-hmm. have, it was like the fastest I've ever read. I couldn't read fast enough. And I'm like, oh my gosh. In the 1960s, yeah. they were talking about exactly what I'm talking about right now. And she said, this is the problem that has no name. It just doesn't have a name. Mm. But this is what's going on with suburban moms. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, eventually I really just like tried to understand the stress. And then I looked at, you know, I don't know exactly how it came across, but like kind of found like ER doc research and nurses, like stuff that goes on in the ER. And they were talking about the six elements of burnout. And I was like, wait a second. This, I think, translates. And Mm -hmm. so like the six elements of burnout are physical and emotional exhaustion, becoming cynical of like your quote job, like Mm -hmm. resentment, being negative, um, having this like reduced personal accomplishment, just like feeling like I'm not even good at my job. Like my job doesn't even matter. I'm not even, who cares? Cause I'm not doing a good job here anyway. Mm-hmm. And then prolonged exposure to stress. And I was like, Oh, well being a mom is the ultimate prolonged exposure to stress. Like <laughs> oh it doesn't goodness. ever end, you know, and you can't quit this job. And then, um, the sixth element is loss of motivation and passion. And oh I think God. like for some women, they can get to that point when that becomes depression. Yeah. And so I just thought, oh, I just like for me was just a huge aha moment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this idea of burnout in employment settings, I really think can it be applied to parenthood, motherhood specifically. So that's how we came about mommy burnout. So like even though mommy burnout per se isn't, you know, an actual diagnosis, burnout is. Mm-hmm. And so I think it applies I think it applies to motherhood. I think it's chronic stress kind of gone awry. Yeah. My long Mm -hmm. answer to your question. No, I love it. Your beautiful answer. Yeah. Are there, um, you know, on that note, given the the sort of like six hallmarks, are there um, sort of like other symptoms or how does it really differ from just being kind of like a tired, busy, maybe overwhelmed mom of super active kids? Yeah. So here's here's how I, I open up mommy burnout with why am I so overwhelmed and each chapter starts with like a does this sound familiar kind of thing and so what I did was I have those like six hallmarks that that are good for me because they keep me grounded in like lots of research like you know almost 50 years of research Mm -hmm. however I translated it into okay so you're not working in an ER you're working in your home you're working Mm -hmm. on your family what does it really look like so I write different things down like you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep you lack energy throughout the day you're you know you're guilty you're beating yourself up about the decisions that you made you're reaching for junk food because you barely ever get a real meal or, you know, just picking all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, you're finding that you're really looking forward to your glass or two of wine each night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get sick a lot. You have little to no interest in sex, which is mm-hmm. kind of a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one that I really have found as a pattern is you're, you avoid actual conversation with people. So you'll, mm-hmm. if someone calls you, um, you, you'll text back. And mm. it's very easy to hide behind a text. I mean, you could put lots of, like, smiley face and mm, heart emojis, yeah, and yeah. you'd never know. But if you're my friend and I pick up the phone and you're like, how are you? It's pretty hard for me to fake it. You know, mm-hmm. I'd have to really go out of my way. If you're a good friend of mine, you'd be like, what's going on? You know, mm-hmm. you don't sound good or mm-hmm. you sound really tired, you know. So people kind of hide behind technology. Um, a lot of losing things and forgetting things. 
Um, mm. You know, being snappy at your kids, yelling at them too much, mm-hmm. um, you know, just forgetting schedules, appointments, and that whole secret crying. You're secretly crying in the shower in your closet. Um, and so if you take just one or two or three even maybe of those things, I'd say lots of moms would say, yeah, of course, that's totally me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was burned out. But I kind of look at it, again, that's not, this part is just, if you have a majority of these symptoms right. going on at one time, you're functioning in a zone of chronic stress that's either already at burnout or you are, you're, you're there. You're mm. really, really close. So obviously being tired, you can't take one thing and say, oh, I'm burned out. You know, you're tired. But what I found, the women that I was working with were experiencing sometimes every single one of these things or, you know, 80% or more of these things at one time, which is beyond overwhelming. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that feels toxic at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I think our hearts are breaking a little bit just mm-hmm. thinking about our mm-hmm. clients mm-hmm. and oh, why, um, why would you say any mom is vulnerable to this kind of burnout? Well, I really think that the standard of perfection that we <laughs> have sort of cultivated, um, it, it's hard for me to give a straightforward answer because it's actually, I think, little bits of a lot of things. So it's, you know, we, a lot of times you'll hear like, oh, there's a standard that moms have to be perfect. But if you break that down, and which I did, I really researched this, I wanted to understand, first of all, is this unique to us? And second of all, um, you know, what is it? What, what does, why is this still happening? So I would say the top things, though, that are contributing are there's a high standard and then there's social media that really highlights these standards, right? On social Mm -hmm. media, you can be whoever you want. You can be Mm -hmm. the best mom in the world. You can Mm -hmm. be the best cook in the world. Like nobody, nobody's going to verify this. You're just showing your highlights, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the more we consume social media and just media in general, um, it becomes a little bit toxic for ourselves because you have women just feeling like they haven't accomplished enough. They haven't done enough. They're not doing enough. There's this enough thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that one of the big pieces that I found in doing the research was this landmark UCLA study that was looking at gender differences between the ways men and women handle stress. Mm-hmm. And one of the outcomes that they reported on was that women are actually more wired. Like when we say like, oh, when you get... When you're in fear, you know, you fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And that what they explained is that's actually a little bit more of a male response to stress, but that a natural tendency, if we were really following our natural tendencies as women, we would actually be tending and befriending. That's what they called it. Mm-hmm. And meaning you'd be, when under stress, a, women, a woman's natural like hormonal tendencies are to tend to her children mm-hmm. and befriend other women. Mm-hmm. And I think we're over-tending to our kids and we're under-befriending our friends. Mm. That's like my bottom line. Amen. So if I had to say, like, <laughs> you know, that's what's happening, that's what's happening, right? So that, that's why we look like helicopter moms mm-hmm. and no one's off to their kids and putting all this pressure on our kids and calling college counselors and, you know, doing all sorts of things like that. It's this over-tending because we have this stress in our lives and it's a way to control things. And so now we've decided our children's lives 
are going to be what we are overly, overly controlling of. And it starts early from overscheduling. Mm, and yeah. it keeps going from there. Mm-hmm. And then the befriending piece, it's like self-care and your girlfriends are the two first things to go when you're under stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you might ask me to do something like, oh, in a couple of weeks or maybe never. You know, I'm too busy. Um, and I think that we wear busy as this badge of honor. Mm-hmm. I think that we feel, some women feel more important when they're busy, mm-hmm. when they can say, oh my gosh, I'm so slammed, I'm so busy. And it really just builds these walls. Mm-hmm. Because if you, like, let's say right now, one of the, there's a mom in one of your kids' classes, and you're like, she seems really cool, I'd like to get to know her. And then you talk to her, and the majority of the time she's telling you, like, how crazy busy she is, mm-hmm. you're a lot less likely to be like, you know, let's go grab coffee. You're a lot more likely to be like, oh, yeah, she just, like, talked about how busy she was. I didn't feel like intruding on her life. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So I think those are, you know, it's very relationship-oriented what I see mm-hmm. as probably the number one cause of this chronic stress that women are enduring right now. Yeah. Mm, wow. Wow. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, sort of like, why why isn't it better if we work or if we stay from home? There's sort of like a no win. <laughs> it kind of is a no win. <laughs> so, you know, interestingly, the research actually says that stay-at-home moms are the unhappiest group of moms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's two things going on. I mean, and it, what was interesting was I didn't know what the research was going to say. All mm. I knew before diving into that part was I didn't see any difference. I was like, whether they're working or not, mm-hmm. I didn't notice a difference. I didn't <laughs> right. notice a difference in what they were saying. Even right, really. right, right. Like no so one's like, having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I was like, this is weird, right? And so I, I was like, what's going to happen here? So what I've really just come to not only just read about but just see for myself is, you know, the working mom is, she's just burning it at both ends. She's running around. She's trying to get from place here to place there. She's not that comfortable being like, oh, nobody, I like, can't go see the play because I have to work. You know, she feels terrible about that. Mm-hmm. Yet she might have to work or she might even be the breadwinner, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, or just can't get time off. So the unintended consequence of the equal rights movement mm. is that women weren't like it was supposed to be i think i think like the women that paved this path before us wanted us to have choices yeah. right they wanted us to have the option you want to be the ceo of like pepsi you can be mm-hmm. you want to stay at home with your kids great do it mm-hmm. you want to be educated i mean remember like even education in the 1970s was not something that was uh, an option for women at certain places. It was only at select places. Mm-hmm. Women can even be educated at higher education. Yeah. Right? So it's like, you, until you really dive in, you don't realize, like, wow, how limited choices were. And so they opened that up, right? You want to go wherever you want to go. You want to go to Yale. You want to go to Stanford. You want to go wherever. You can go there. And so I think the, the spirit of it was choice. But what has happened is the spirit has become, it's not, it's not one or the other. It's both. Right. I'm going to yeah. do it all yeah. because these choices are put before me. So, of course, I'm going to get a higher education, and then I'm going to get a great job. And then, you know, women now are getting married so much later in life. Mm-hmm. So they might have a decade of a career even mm-hmm. under them before they even have kids. Mm-hmm. And so I think what's happening is, <clears throat> and this I know is definitely not for everyone. In my experience, 
even the stay-at-home moms generally had a career. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I'm talking to them, they like to let me know that. Mm-hmm. Right, like, right. Hey, I just want to let you know, you know, I have an MBA. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I get that pretty often, actually. And mm-hmm. I'm like, great. Or like, I just want to let you know, like our family business, I founded it. Or I was the yeah. one that like started it. And so there's this validation piece. Like, I want you to know that I'm important and I am contributing to the world. So that's stay at home. And then the working mom is just like, doesn't feel a lot of choice. She just, mm-hmm. you know, she's just got the mindset of like, I can do it both. And I should. And so both of them just, they have their upside, both do. And and both also really have their, their sacrifices. But in terms of just happiness, the way they measure life satisfaction and happiness, mm-hmm. stay-at-home moms are slightly less happy. And, and I think it's generally because they're like, what am I doing with my life? And am mm-hmm. I contributing? Or like, I have a degree or I had this career. And am I ever going to get back to it? I mean, I, the fear that women have, like a lot of times kindergarten is a milestone mm-hmm, for a lot mm-hmm, of women mm-hmm. to be like, great, my youngest kid is in kindergarten. I'm going back to work. Mm-hmm. The fear that they have in those months leading up to that, are like mm-hmm. I am totally irrelevant. Who is going to even hire yep. me? Yep. I mean, I feel so much of that. Like sometimes I go from therapist to coach because they're like, I haven't worked in eight years. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I, even just like graphic designers or people like, I don't, I don't even know that I can, whatever it is, whatever the field is. And sure. I, you know, they need that coaching and they're reassuring that, like, you know what, you've got to walk in that room. Like, yeah, you want to hire me and either not somebody younger than me, because mm-hmm. that's always what they're fearful of, right? right? right Why wouldn't they right, hire the new right. college grad? And talk about, you've got to talk about your time being a stay-at-home mom as this incredible asset. Mm-hmm. Not as like mm-hmm. a, oh, I'm out of it detriment, which is how they start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that fully answered your question, but that's like, yeah, the that's awesome. Yeah. Stay at home moms and working moms. And, and I don't personally find too many people that are exclusively one or the other. A mm-hmm. lot of stay at home moms just do it for a couple of years, mm-hmm. or so many of them have what we're calling now the side hustle. Yes. You know, where yep. they're, they're doing something, they're selling yep. something, they're selling beauty products or they're doing stuff Mm -hmm. they have an online business you know so there's not also which I think is really cool I hope that that's really empowering for a lot of women like they're finding um, things to do that not are just that are not just for financial gain but for worth right for value right you know to feel or even just to be connected to other adults Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah yeah Mm. to to befriend to do yeah. that befriending thing right. to sort of yeah um, they might not think of it that way but it right is that. Exactly. right right it sort of allows that muscle that they decide they don't have that kind of dime otherwise <clears throat> um because we're supposed to be focusing on our kids mm. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so that i think that sort of leads us to sort of thinking about like really thinking about um you know, how and why we're getting burned out when we're trying to do the best for our kids. You know, um, there's a part in the book that you talk about how we go on a best quest sometimes, which I thought was so powerful. Um, you know, six hours on the right stroller in, or you don't even get the stroller because you're trying to find the best stroller or (laughs) I was really moved by, um, your talk about your search for the right kindergarten for your child and just like totally, totally connected with that um and so just wanted to to ask how that's playing into us getting burned out yeah i mean this is like i see this as such strong of an issue you know i mean in the book you've got generally let's say 10 chapters you've got to pick like okay what 10 elements am i going to talk about and this whole best quest 
is so um, dominant in what I see that an entire chapter is devoted to, Mm -hmm. I just want what's best for my children. Because Mm -hmm. I hear that all the time. Like, okay, so, you know, what are your hopes? What are your goals? I, I just want what's best for my child. And I just started, you know, when you hear that on the, you know, on the surface or casual conversation, like, oh, that sounds nice. Sure. Hard to argue with. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Okay. I relate to that. Like, doesn't seem harmful. Mm -hmm. However, we, we don't seem to be doing a great job of saying like, okay, I'm going to pick one area where like, that's such a strong value for me. I will seek the best blank for my kid. Mm -hmm. But then I've got to know that like priorities two, three, and four are going to be like, pretty good Mm -hmm. you know and then priorities like five six and seven might be just like what works for our schedule it Mm -hmm. might not be the best but it's literally what works for our schedule and the kid still gets to play piano kind of thing right Mm -hmm. and we don't (laughs) seem to be doing a great job of having tiers having priorities understanding that not every single thing is can be the best and then what's happening like in terms of like the market or literally like marketing and stores is the the amount of choices one one of the most popular ted talks of all time is by this brilliant psychologist i mean it's so good i'm forgetting i have it in the book but i'm forgetting um what it's titled but he does a whole he wrote a book on it i think too but he does a whole ted talk Mm -hmm. on choices yep and Paradox of choice. The amount of stress. So he went through, like, I think it was, like, soups or salad dressings or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I went to the grocery stores, and I counted, you know, and there were, like, 45 flavors of salad dressing (laughs) for me to pick. And, like, for me, I talk about strollers, and Mm -hmm. I talk about all sorts of things that get starts when you're pregnant, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even just from your doctor. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you're in a city, it's like, well, who's the best, you know, Mm -hmm. over Right. And then who's the best pediatrician? Pediatrician. (laughs) Pediatrician's right up there. (laughs) And, um, you know, like when we keep using that word best, who's the best, who's the best? Like, I just would love to see us changing our languaging around that because what is good for me really might not be good for you. Yeah. And so if I can even start just like, because every single chapter, I really try to walk my walk, walk my Mm -hmm, talk. And mm -hmm. I'm really, you know, so I try to say like, like, I might love Dr. Smith, but she's blah, blah, blah. She's this way. That may or may not work for you. Mm-hmm. I that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, she is kind of hardcore. <laughs> so if somebody was like, hey, you have a new puppy, like, what vet? I might just say, I go here, but she might not be for you. You mm-hmm. know, as opposed to be like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to save the, oh, my gosh, blah, blah, blah is the best for things that I really would go on a limb and say that. And so, yeah, I, I write about just... I, I literally looked it up. I was like, how many schools? Like, it happens to be I'm in Denver, Colorado, and there are so many schools. And it was like, in Denver, Colorado, is like 350-plus schools to choose from. I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, most mm-hmm. of us think of our childhoods like, you lived in this neighborhood, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you went to the school that you were zoned for. And that's public or urban. Right. And this was the middle school, and this was the high school, and that was the end of that story. And if there was a private school, maybe there were one or two. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. like... And that's just not the way things are anymore. So from a consumer perspective, there are so, there's so much noise mm-hmm. and there's so much pressure within that noise to get it right, to get the best, to get it perfect. Yes, yes. And so I really, you know, that was a really, I thought that was a really fun chapter and story to kind of share the mom mm-hmm. in that story, in that, because that w- it was about her just choosing college for her kids. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so this notion, and so I wrote that. I'm like, there's over there's over three thousand to choose from, Ugh. and so if you think of your kid as somebody who who needs to have the best, like there's three thousand schools, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, and it becomes this extremely time consuming process where I, once again. I think when college opened up for us, it used to be like you stayed in state, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Your state, right? And you went to it, you know. Right. So there are. Um, I really, I really see it as an incredible, incredible stressor, mm-hmm. um, and it, you have to actually work on it. You really have to work on it pretty hard to be able to change. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's really going to like bog you down in ways that you don't I think that women don't even realize yeah yes you know you don't even know that having so many choices and things is actually more stressful than helpful yes yeah yeah I love that I mean I definitely see it in my practice and talk with women a lot about like having a filter right like we're gonna have to choose our source Mm -hmm. and go with that (laughs) (laughs) and kind of like turn all the other noise down Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yeah which is really hard to do yeah really hard to do and in person easier to do than than like let's say online, oh. right? Yeah, you know, so many people are gathering information. So many like that's how millennial moms function. They yeah, really function yeah. Online. You know, that's how they get their information. They get their referral sources. They ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more likely to just go on some sort of site or their own social networking sites and and ask those kinds of things. And then all of a sudden, you know, you throw it out there and you get fifty responses. Right. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. That are all like very passionate too, right? You know, and <laughs> and like sometimes they're so passionate, like I have an answer for this. PM me, you know, private <laughs> message me. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm so not even going to share it with everyone. Yeah, <laughs> love that. <laughs> How do you? I and I think you alluded to this a little bit just when you were talking about. Um, in the very beginning, you know, seeing burnout, but how does burnout play out in our partnerships and our marriages? Um, and, and is there anything we can do? <laughs> yes, yes. For all, you know, the good news, if anybody's listening to this and feeling bummed out right now, the good <laughs> news is for all of these issues and problems, there are solutions to mommy burnout that are actionable today. And most don't even, they don't require money. They don't require professional intervention. They don't require going to therapy, right? There's a percentage that will. There's a percentage of women that will read this book and go like, wow, I'm really in this, and maybe I'm even depressed. They have a section Mm -hmm. on stress Mm -hmm. or depressed. Mm -hmm. But I would say, for the most part, people are going to read this and go, whoa, yeah, my stress is out of control, and I can actually do things about this right now that are going to be helpful. And so the marriage chapter, again, it's a whole chapter, Mm -hmm. is titled... He just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And I tried to title the chapters on, like, some of them are super casual because I tried to title them exactly how I hear it. Mm-hmm. And that's what women say. Like, I, well, how, how's it going? How's co-parenting going, you know, with this <laughs> issue? And they'll say, you know, he just doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just so common that I was like, yeah, I got to title the chapter that way. But, mm-hmm. um, and so what I would say, like, this is total spoiler alert for anybody that hasn't even read the book yet is the bottom line is women are, because, I, this is my theory, because we're under-befriending our friends and we're not spending enough time with them, mm-hmm. we are putting the burden of what we expect from our best girlfriend onto our marriages and mm-hmm. onto our husbands, yeah. right? We want him to listen the way your best girlfriend would. They don't typically do that. They don't have the patience for that. They are problem solvers. 
And so men hear an issue, a problem, like you could come home and talk about your boss, you could come home and talk about, you know, the person you're running the PTA with, doesn't matter, but you're struggling with somebody. And if they hear it more than once, first of all, they're like, okay, when are you going to do something about this? Mm. Right. So there's an instant, like, there's a problem, we got to fix this. And then they're going to want to give you solutions. Well, why don't you just do this? And why don't you just do that? And it's generally after just a few minutes. Um, and so, and then women get really frustrated and that's why they're like, yeah, you just don't get, no, I just can't do that. I just can't walk in there and say that. Or that's not even the point. I just want you to listen to me, but we're not great at saying things like that. So we need to just act out. And so one of the things I say is like your girlfriend, if she could, right, would sit, would sit at a restaurant and listen to you complain about whatever you want to for very long periods of time, (laughs) right? And commiserate and totally back you up and just sit there with you and and stew in it and that's a very feminine style of communicating and relating and it's just not that way in marriages Mm -mm. so what i like to say is understand that your husband has important things that he can share being a problem solver is great there will come a point in time where you actually do want the solutions to whatever the problem is but in the beginning you just don't most Mm -hmm. women don't Mm -mm. Mm -mm. and so one of the things I see that really, like, couples really get into is when I tell them that, when I say, um, okay, well, you know, you're, you know, whoever, your your spouse, Chris, here, how long of an attention span do you think you really have for this? You know, and they'll usually say a little longer than she thinks. Like, oh, well, I'll listen to it for, like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but then after a while, I mean, come on. You know, that's what they'll say. And then she'll say, like, you know, but every time I come home, I don't want you to jump into this. So we just talk about changing their communication style and getting their needs met where it's appropriate. Yeah, when you want yeah. answers to something and you need something fixed, most people can go to their spouse. Um, but when you want to just really process, either you have to set him up for success and say, I'm about to tell you the story that happened at work today or happened to drop off today. And I really don't want you to jump into problem solving mode. I really, really just want you to listen. I really need that. And that is so much more of a, like, a setup for success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. much more likely to. Um, and so I would say that is like the biggest tip that I have seen from marriages. And when I ask couples to do that, they usually really get a laugh out of it. And they're like, things have totally improved. And they're like, and sometimes I got to remind them and I have to say that more often. And I'm like, you just can't even be resentful of saying like, Hey, I'm about to tell you something. Please don't jump in and solve it. And Mm -hmm. I know I've already talked about this before, you know, like Mm -hmm. the things, you know, that like don't help the attention span, just set it up for success yeah oh my god i'm like making a million faces yeah, over here squirming <laughs> dying yeah. slowly yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i'm reminded of a couple things one is um you know i do a lot of work with um the work of Brene brown and that's very much that communication style of like here's what's happening in my head but also like I'm about to tell you something. Here's what I need you to say. <laughs> Being very instructive in my relationship has helped tremendously. <laughs> I think it does help tremendously, doesn't it? I mean, yes. it just, it, it really does. And sometimes we, we might think those things, but we like almost sabotage the situation. Like if you've been with someone for years yeah. and you're pretty sure about the way they're going to handle things, the way they have at least for the last like 10 years you've been with them, don't expect that today's the day that they're going to have some sort of different response to you. You know, like, why would that be? Unless you set them up for it, why they're going to do what they normally do. And you're going to do what you normally do. Mm, and then yeah. the whole situation is going to end where it normally ends, which is 
you walking away, rolling your eyes and being frustrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isolating. Mm-hmm. You sort of mm-hmm. going away from each other. I especially love the idea of just asking outright, like, what do you think your attention span is for this? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I kind yeah. of love that just to, just to have it out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. To, Exactly. And, you know, we're processors. Generally, um, women are processors. We like to process things. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't always, and this can go both ways, we don't always check in with each other, too, like like if you're in a great space to listen, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because they might have other stuff going on in their heads. And I will tell you that one of the biggest surprises that I have gotten from this past year has been the men, the men saying to me, why aren't you writing about daddy burnout? Mm. Why aren't you writing about men in stress? As a dad, I feel as much and sometimes more stressed than my wife. Wow. Why aren't you writing about it? Are you writing like, about oh, it yet? Yeah, I know. Is that the next book? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I said to them, would you really buy a book, though, about no. daddy burnout? Mm, no. Mm, no. Right? Like, mm-hmm. would you? And so... Will you write a listicle? A, a listicle. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, if I give like a real Cliff Notes version, maybe, right? Yeah. So, um, but I will say it's been very striking. It's been very consistent. Um, online, different cities, different places. So there's something there. Yeah. So yeah. the reason why I say that now is because we also may perceive our spouses as like, you know, I, I hear women describe it a lot. Like they, you know, they handle stress well or like they handle things well. And, you know, maybe they're really struggling. Yeah, inside. yeah, They're not always yeah. best communicators, right? Yeah, they yeah. things in. Yeah. So you don't always know. And you don't even, like, you might even ask and they still might not tell you. Right. So having, like, a different way, like you're saying, like, what's your bandwidth right now? Because I have this story I really want to tell you about that happened today. But, like, I need you to listen and I don't want you to problem solve and it might take a while, you know? So you mm-hmm. have, like, different ways mm-hmm. of basically saying to them, like, how are you doing? Right. Right. You know, what space are you in right now? What do you need? Or, and maybe they say, you know, I'm starving right now. Or like, I want to grab a workout in like, great, maybe you can do that. And you know, when you're done, we can talk, you know, yep. having, cause if you do it one way, I mean, some people listening might be like, Oh, I wish they'd, somebody would say that to me. Mm-hmm. Right. But mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. we start putting that out there, I guess the hope would be that there'd also be that mutual respect back. Right. Right. Um, right. And that goes to self care. Cause, each individual in a marriage needs their self-care time and then you need your relationship time. But if you show up, like what I'm talking about, exhausted, overwhelmed, feeling like a failure, you know, floundering and feeling guilty, you know, five things that easily could be going on in one day for a mom, you know, you're not really your, you're not your best self. You're not showing up right. in mm-hmm. that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I sort of feel like the, the spouse is the person that we might feel safest mm-hmm. to not mm-hmm. show up for and or show up at just sort of haphazardly mm-hmm. or sort of unconsciously mm-hmm. not sort of mindfully right <clears throat> and I feel like um you've you've definitely been covering this already um but I feel like this also the the piece with the spouse also circles back to the female relationships mm-hmm. but is there anything that you really want to particularly want to highlight about why female relationships are so important in in this recovering from mommy burnout and why social media doesn't fulfill those needs in the same way you know i do i um as part of you know part of the launch of this book you've always got to think about what am i going to do and how am i going to spread the word and Mm -hmm. so one thing that i decided to do was a tedx talk 
And so then within the TEDx talk, it was like, okay, well, what am I going to talk about? There's so much here. And so what I decided was, okay, well, what do I think is the most important piece of the message? Because for me, this is not just a book. It's really a movement. And so what is a message? Like, What's like a first starting message point that I'd want to start with? So I decided to do a TEDx talk on basically the power of female friendship. And I would say that out of that, what came was a lot. Like I shared in there, I am, you know, I talk about how I thought that I was doing, I thought I was doing fine, right? Every weekend I felt like this a couple of years ago, like we had plenty of dinner plans, plenty of plans with other families, social plans, lots of, but just events, just feeling, of course, quote, busy all the time Mm -hmm. and social and also very social. And um, when I wound up in the hospital and I was sitting in an ER, first of all, by myself because my husband was home with the kids. We don't have any family that lives in the state, Mm. um, which is a very strong theme that Mm -hmm. I find. So I incorporated that into the talk. Mm -hmm. Um, People are moving all over the place more than ever. Um, The amount of moves and and um, the amount of people raising families outside outside of their immediate families is huge. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so you're alone or you have to pay somebody, right? So mm-hmm. he's there. I'm in an ER. I'm looking around. Other people have usually somebody with them, and I'm sitting there by myself. And I thought to myself in the moment, like, who could I call right now? Who could I call right now just to say, you're never going to believe this. Like, I'm in the hospital. I'm in all this pain. They're doing these tests on me and trying to figure out what's, what's going on. And not... Who could I call to be like, hey, can you take my kids to school? Mm-hmm. Hey, can you, you know, mm-hmm. take my garbage out? To do, you know, mm-hmm. not, not those things. I had plenty of those people. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is I was like, I don't have anybody in the state. Mm-hmm. I was not grounding myself in my home area. Like I considered home still where I was from, which yeah. is New York. Yeah. Right. And so those were my people and those are, you know, I sent them texts. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, just thought you'd want to know, like I'm sitting in the, I'm sitting in the yard right now and they're running tests, but I didn't have anybody in Colorado who I really felt like they would just care to know, like that they would be like, like completely offended if I told them like, oh yeah, I was in the ER yesterday. They'd be like, what? Why did mm-hmm. you call me? Why did you tell me? And so that was a really big shift for me and really appreciating the value of friendships and different kinds of friendships and not having the mentality that everybody I met had to be like my instant BFF for (laughs) me to invest in her. That's how I was. My mindset then was like, we can be totally social with this couple, but I wasn't taking that outside of that context Mm -hmm. if I didn't feel this instant connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And so now I understand so much more, and it's been so much healthier, the power of friendships, the power of the the really dysfunctional power of loneliness, Mm -hmm. um, how many people are lonely, and Mm -hmm. um, that people can serve different. So I, like in my mind, categorically, I have different friend groups. Right. I don't I have I have mom friends. I have my best friends. I have my neighbor friends. I have my go to friends and I have friends that I call them senior mommies, meaning (laughs) they've got kids older than me. They definitely know more than me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go to them for advice. Mm. Like I might go to them for like kind of deep advice, even even Mm -hmm. though I might not tell them, though, like what's happening in my marriage. Mm -hmm. But I might go to them and say, you know, my kids, my kids kind of being bullied at school or my Mm -hmm. whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, did you ever go through that? And so 
that's a really big shift because I think in the past I would have reserved that only for close friends. Mm. Yeah. And so I, and even junior moms, I call, like in my life, I have junior moms <laughs> and senior moms. The junior moms are ones that have kids younger than me. And because I'm an older mom to my third kid, there's lots of them for me. And so sometimes I reach out to them and I just give them encouragement or just say like, you know, I just want to know, like, I was there, too. Yeah. My kid was in kindergarten. That happened, too, or whatever it is. And so understanding that, like, I can form really nice friendships with women who have kids that are younger yeah. and older. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so um, I hope I'm answering your question. But that yes. is that was really, <laughs> really big. And in 2018, there was a research study that came out that said the loneliest, the loneliest group of people right now um, and, and honestly, ever studied, that's recorded, are 18 to 23-year-olds. Mm. We have a real problem. Mm. <laughs> we have a real problem. Because normally, it's, it's the geriatric population. Right. right. Right? So you're 75, 80 years old, and you're like, oh, my gosh, my friends, is, my spouse passed on. My, yes. My friends. Yeah. No. They're, they're more connected, feeling less lonely than our young adults. Mm. And that's a very scary thought. Super and scary. our young adults are relying on social media yep. and the internet to stay connected. Yep. And that does not replace face-to-face connections. When no. I was back to that UCLA study, which I love so much, like they talk about that when women are in the company of other women, there is oxytocin that starts flowing through your body in really different ways than even if you're in the presence of a spouse that you've been with for a while or a male friend that you're really good friends with that two women together get oxytocin flowing. And I just thought, like, how powerful is that? And how good of an ad is that for face-to-face contact? Not, mm. you know, I'll send you a text or I'll send you pictures of my kids and you'll send me an emoji with, you know, hard <laughs> yeah. eyes. Yeah. But, like, we're going to meet for an hour and we're going to be like, how are you doing? What's going on? How's yeah. work? How's yeah. this? You know, and yeah. spending time with one another. So that was Super powerful information for me and super powerful, um, like I said, actionable thing that I now do. I really, really do. I, re- I don't use the word busy. I If somebody asked me to do something, like somebody asked me to do something and their time was limited too. And it was, we're going to get together like, oh, honestly, it's like beginning of April. <laughs> but, and that seemed so ridiculous to me when I did that, when I booked that this week. But I said, you know, really, it's a month and a half. And that's just what works for us. And yeah. so I'm not going to not schedule. See, that that's another thing we might do. We might be like, oh, my gosh, we're so far out. Let's just, let's just touch base again in a couple of weeks and see how things are going. And guess what's going to happen? No. <laughs> right? It's never going to happen. So I was like, you know what? Let's book it. I don't care. Let, like, we're Great. waiting six weeks to see each other. Let's put it in. Period. End of story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. And so, because I really value it, I really, it really, and I never, I always say to women, like, when they, they're like, but I'm so tired on a Thursday night. Like, I don't want to go for drinks. Or, and I say, I promise you, I have never had somebody come back and say, you know, I really regretted meeting up with, like, my Mm. dear friends (laughs) and having dinner and wine on a Thursday night. It doesn't happen. You feel energized. You leave feeling super energized, either heard or related or connected or empathic, Mm -hmm. right? But you leave really with more energy and this whole like reboot and so i encourage women to try it and i've gotten so many comments there's over a thousand comments on the ted talk that i did it's titled why moms are miserable 
Um, and, you know, so many all over the world. There'll be, there'll be women that are like, I'm writing you from Saudi Arabia. I'm writing you from Iran. Yeah. I'm writing you from all these different places. And they're like, this is exactly how I feel. I have no friends. Yeah. I have oh no friends. Yeah. I have heard that straight up. I have no friends a lot to the point where I say in my practice, I think if um, women had like an identifiable best friend, I actually think my practice would be cut in half. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I really do. I yeah. think I'm a surrogate yeah. friend for a lot of women. Yes. Yes. Just want to yes. be heard. Yeah. Like we're not always talking about super deep things. Sometimes we're talking about just career we're talking about things going on and they don't have somebody else to and they they need it right they want it right 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 absolutely the oxytocin is is thick in here right it's flowing yeah (laughs) (laughs) well good i'm so happy to hear that (laughs) oh where can people find you yes yeah, so people can find, they can buy the book wherever books are sold. There's Yay. also a website, mommyburnout.com. And I have my own website, drcherylziegler.com. Great. Awesome. I have a newsletter that a lot of people really love. So if they want to kind of follow and track what's happening in my practice, I write a series called Notes from the Couch, <clears throat> where I just chronicle, like I just say, I pick something from the month that's really, truly happening and just write about it like this is what was going on and so it's similar style to mommy burnout and here's what we did that was helpful love it that's great and you're on social media as well i'm on social media instagram facebook and twitter awesome. and they're all at dr cheryl ziegler uh, yeah, yeah that all right awesome that we'll helps. put we'll definitely put links in our show notes as well that's awesome thank you <clears throat> wonderful well thank you and yeah thanks for the the oxytocin uh Shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. I feel it too. So it's, it's, it maybe can be done over the phone. We'll need to do some studies on this. Yes. Like, yes. Like your voice. Like voices. Does that make oxytocin go? I bet it does. Oh, that <laughs> would be a good study. That would I be know a good it would study. be. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website and stream more of our podcasts or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram and definitely come on by our Facebook group, The Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.